I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast. We hope that you are feeling alive right now, just like that intro song. I'm Josiah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the show today. Thanks for putting your AirPods in this morning or plugging us into a, a USB or however you're listening. Thanks for sharing this episode with other people who might enjoy the content. I'm joined today by Micah, my wife and co-host. So we're doing a little role reversal here today, Micah. You ready for an adventure? I am ready for an adventure. This is reverse role. So sometimes the script is written wrong. So I was waiting for him to say I'm joined with my husband here. So nope, sometimes we, we have some bloopers that are off script, but we are so excited to introduce our guest today. This is a person who has been significant um, in many people's lives, whether you are a young adult or maybe you are in the Midwest region of Minnesota or North Dakota or have a hybrid story like myself in that regard. But today is a dear friend, Josh Schaldahl. Josh is the lead pastor at Evangel, a multi-site and multi-influenced church based in Bismarck, North Dakota. Come on, somebody. Josh's main priority is to build a church through an authentic, relational, and practical style of leadership. And immediately following college in 2008, Josh began his work in churches across North Dakota. With only six years of experience, Josh began leading, let me say that, leading as the lead pastor at Evangel, I believe before the age of 30, if I'm correct. And it has been thriving. It is a multi-state church, over 2,000 in the weekly attendance, and it is in the heart of the state. And under Josh's um, leadership influence, Evangel has continued to grow in numbers and influence and in the community. So Josh, we are so excited. You have also completed your master's degree in organizational leadership back in 2016, and you continue to excel in preaching, casting vision, mentoring, and leading multi-generations. Thank you so much for joining us, Pastor Josh. We are thrilled to have you. Hey, I'm excited to be here. And that was a really kind introduction of me. And I think this podcast, man, I was looking at what you guys have accomplished uh, since you launched it. And that deserves an introduction, just the, the value and the wisdom that you're bringing to people. Uh, it's so awesome and thankful to be a part of it. Oh, absolutely. We are so excited that you said yes and thankful for what God is doing. We could not do what we do without um, people like you saying yes and without God going before us. So it's, it's fun because Josh, when you launch a podcast like this one, there's certain people that you, you pray would say yes. And one of them for us was David Kinnaman. He's like a mm-hmm. brilliant author and researcher. And we prayed from before we even press record, like, can he just say yes, please? And I, I also thought of you because of your um, starting ministry together with Micah, like your impact in her life. And just also the story that you have of starting out your ministry leadership in young adult ministry and becoming a lead pastor. So we're excited to have you. Yeah, I, you know, think about everything that happened while I was leading young adults. And there's just people that came along on the journey that made it a success. And, um, you know, sometimes the pastor gets all the credit, but there's great people like Micah and others who On the day when we stand before Jesus, he's going to say, well done. And it's not just going to be my prize. It's going to be others who shared in the journey. And Micah, you're a huge part of that. So thank thank you. you. I appreciate that. And it's been fun to, whether you're holding your leader's arms up or your arms are being held up, Mm -hmm. or you're going to find yourself in that role, you're going to understand as a listener, the importance of, like Pastor Josh just said, everybody is playing their part and you don't know 
how God is going to use that and how he's going to further his kingdom through those humbling moments and through those exciting seasons. And, um, Pastor Josh, I just want to say thank you um, for believing in young adults. I know that you're a lead pastor right now, but you definitely had an influence in my life and, and hundreds of others. And just what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be called out in love and truth, what it means to um, see something in somebody and encourage them to pursue their dreams and aspirations and to seek gifts. So I'm just going to let Josiah kick off the very first question because we want to hear more from you, Pastor Josh, of where your heart um started in ministry where it's kind of been evolving throughout time and maybe where it is even now so just kick us off yeah josh i'm just curious if you would go to the first place by just talking about you talking about yourself your life journey and narrative of leadership um, that includes faith family and just an upbringing and meeting jesus and and kind of land on how you found yourself in ministry yeah, for sure. I um, I look at, you know, what the book of Jeremiah says, and it says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I appointed you. And uh, I look at my life and I just say, man, God had to have appointed me, you know, for me to be where I am today and to have done the things that I've done because I could not uh, have done it on my own. You know, I preached to more people on a weekend than were in my hometown growing up by a long shot, you know, and um, I just think it had to be God. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I was born in the pew, basically. You know, I accepted Jesus when I was four years old. He's been a part of my life um, ever since a young age. Go vacation Bible school. That's where I met Jesus and uh, walked through, you know, junior high and high school. And I could tell you a lot about those years, you know, as many of us could. And maybe we'll do a youth podcast sometime. Uh, but that was a journey. And then came to a place in college where um, – my faith really was tested, you know, and I would say I never lost it, but it was dormant, you know, for at least a year and through just some divine relationships and God having a plan for me, uh, he brought me back into the fold and um, began to work on my heart. And so I got involved in a great Chi Alpha College ministry. I was also part of Campus Crusade. Um, I went to InterVarsity a few times, so I just dabbled in all the, the college ministry waters. Um, and it was, I think it was obvious at that point that God had put something in me, you know, on a leadership, uh, from a leadership standpoint, because I was seeing this new thing in my life where I was rising to the top and being able to have influence in ways that I hadn't experienced before. Um, but that's really, you know, through relationships with really, um, just great friends and godly mentors, God really got a hold of my life. And so I was studying, uh, a totally different degree. I had a promising career in higher education kind of in front of me. And I got to the end of college and said, man, but I feel called to youth and to young adults. And so I, um, I did an internship, made about hundred bucks a week, I think, for a long period of time. Woke up more early in the morning and worked at a coffee shop and um, did two years of internship and then got invited to be a pastor at a church. Um, and then since then, yeah, have stepped into a couple different ministry roles and have got, I got married about the same time I started leading Evangel. Uh, we've had three babies since then, a couple of homes and uh, life. We're at that point where life is moving very, very quickly. It feels like. So no that's a little kidding. bit of the journey. No kidding. And I mean, Pastor Josh, I just remember being 21 years old myself 
And that was, you know, like my first role in ministry. I was single. I had just graduated from North Central University and it was the home church I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And there was no young adult ministry. And our pastor had a, he was near the end of his career, but just had a heart and a burden to reach college students and young adults. And there was some conversations that happened. And he, I just remember one time at a famous days, he's like, well, I think we should just give you a shot and see what God can do. And um, thankful for him believing in me. But I just remember starting out in ministry single and wanting to be married. But if I understand it right, like you started as a young adult pastor, kind of the same way, single. What was that like for maybe somebody who's single now, wanting to be married? Can you go there and talk about that first role and, and starting out? Yeah. You know, I got invited to come to Evangel to be the young adult pastor and they had a young or a, a group that had already started to meet kind of on a college campus. And, um, and I, I feel like you just, I, somebody just said, Hey, come take a shot, you know, and somebody opened that door of opportunity for me. And man, uh, ministry is all about relationships, you know, like just getting to know people and building a network of friends and companions to and comrades to go along with you on the journey. And that just opened more doors in my life than anything else. But um, yeah, I was, I was single. I'd come out of a youth pastor position um, and that was just challenging, you know, cause there's a lot of stigmas in church. You know, the American Christian church is really like, you know, the, the, last step in discipleship is like, if you get married and have kids, you know, then like you've arrived as a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, then, you know, there's stigmas or everybody's trying to set you up and do your shopping for you. Totally. And, uh, and, oh, you uh, want to go on a blind date? <laughs> yeah. And you're surrounded by other people that you could, you know, potentially have a relationship with and you're navigating that. You have people older than you, younger than you. And so it was, yeah, it was like a really complex time um, to try to figure that out. And I just, I think for everybody who's single, who's out there, man, more than ever, I am all for people who say, I'm going to pursue the mission and the call of God first in my life and set that as a benchmark. And then when I, when I move that direction, if God brings somebody else along for the journey, praise him, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I always kind of resented that when people are like, well, you're, you're in ministry, but you're not married. We got to get you a wife. And I'm like, you know what? I'm pursuing the call of God. Like what higher calling is there yeah. um, in my life? And so I, yeah, my heart goes out to people who are kind of in that situation right now, especially those that maybe are in that situation and they don't want to be. Right. Um, and I waited till I was 28 and um, and then something different happened. A girl walked into our young adult ministry that I'd never seen before. And we met and it was totally just ordained, you know, by the Lord. And I couldn't have controlled it if I had wanted to. Right. Right. I think it's just a beautiful reminder for the listener. Um, and something that we learned actually when we were on staff together, Pastor Josh, when I was able to be under the leadership of um, now Dr. Doug Graham, but Pastor Doug Graham yeah. so would always talk about, at least in his pastoral theology classes, exactly what you just said. Like you need to serve your master, which is God, the mission, meaning like your calling, what God has designed you to do, and then mate. And the moment that you have those first two in order, if God has put the desire for marriage in your heart, he doesn't put that there to tease you. But those divine moments of like, she just walked through the door. Like, mm. like you said, like I couldn't have orchestrated that if I wanted to. And then the moment you get married, you're recognizing like, okay, now how do I, 
have master mate in mission because that mate needs to know your mission and they need to be that cheerleader they need to be that supporter and one thing that i really um admire about you pastor josh and just the time that i was able to um serve alongside your vision and pastor doug's vision at that time probably in 2012 2013 was the fact that you were a young adult navigating the waters not only of singleness aside from that but navigating the waters of leading other young adults you were leading people that were 18 i know i remember having people who were like 30 being like am I 31 I'm too old now so just like helping people of both ages or like 12 year gaps really navigate those different ages and stages so can you share like what was it like for you personally leading young adults when some of them were older than you and really admired you and when some of them were younger than you um, by even just a few years like how did you manage that tension and how would you encourage the listener today just by your own experience yeah, I mean, to comment on something else that you said first, you don't have an issue with your master because you haven't figured out your mission or your mate yet. That's good. You know, like <laughs> so many people take it up with the Lord entirely too often because they want clarity in their mission or clarity on who their mate is. And man, just serve the master and let him be your mission and your, I mean, your mate, your lead companion, and um, and he will bring the rest in due time, you know. Uh, but yeah, in regards to your question, um, that's never gone away. You know, I now lead a board of people that are <laughs> twice my age and, um, and a church of people that are in different seasons of life than I am. And I remember when there was kind of a division in our young adult ministry, people wanted to have, you know, there's like people who are teachers who are now going to young adult ministry with students that had just graduated high school and they're in the same group. And it was like, hey, can we do a older young adults and then like a younger young adults or a college? And I remember at being at a conference and asking a pastor, like, hey, what's the best strategy here? And he said, he basically said the best strategy is to get your leadership team to, to stop talking about division mm. and to get them talking about the vision because if stuff like that is being said, it's coming from the top. And, and so I just said, hey, I'm calling a foul now from now on. If anybody mentions that idea anymore, we're not doing it. And I, that was just such a leadership lesson for me of, you know, the things that you permit, you promote. And yeah. when you allow the conversation to just keep going on or you get unnecessary feedback, you're actually promoting a variety of opinions, you know, and when there is no vision, people perish and they go crazy. Uh, but if you give a solid vision of, Hey, here's where we're headed. Here's who we are. We're not going to deviate man, that's, um, that's powerful in people's lives. And it's the same today, you know, in leading a board or leading a church um, with some people or who are looking at the end of their life, you know, and other people who are bringing in a person into new life. Like uh, there's a lot of different people to appeal to and different seasons of life to talk about. And it's bringing everybody under, hey, what are we all about? And how are we going to win and uniting them in that vision? That's great. And I mean, so you touched on it, like leading a board now and stepping into the mantle of authority and anointing of leading a church as the lead pastor. Will you talk about like, you know, after a handful of years in young adult ministry, that certainly prepared you because it's ministry and you're pastoring people. But what was that like then to take over the church as a lead pastor for you? And can you just talk about like, maybe after you talk about that experience, like, what would you say that God's done in your heart to still prioritize young adults and still have them be a part of your vision? What's that been like? Yeah. Um, sorry. What was your first question, Josiah? 
Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll just ask him one at a time. He like, likes rapid fire questions, like five in one. And I'm like, hey. I know, I'm an over processor. <laughs> no, no, no. Just can you talk about for, after a handful of years of young adult ministry, what was it like to, to become a lead pastor? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the shock of our lives, you know, when we stepped into that role of leading the church. And maybe just for the listeners, because I can't really say this to my staff because it just comes off wrong, but I can say it to everybody listening. <laughs> Your lead pastor has way more challenges and way more dynamics and stress and weight going on than you know of. And you think you know, youth pastor, young adult pastor, key volunteer, but you do not know. And you do not understand until you sit in the chair. And I went on a long journey of discovering exactly what that weight felt like, you know, for the two or three years after I stepped into the role. And so I think that's just really important because for staff teams and people to stay healthy, you have to be able to say, hey, I'm willing to follow this person and I might not understand everything, but um, I'm going to at least honor them and be humble because I know there's things on their mind and that they're going through that I'm not. Um, and so that was a huge lesson for me in stepping into the role and just realizing, you know, the weight of, of being a pastor, you know, especially a lead pastor where you are not only chief shepherd, but you are also chief financial officer in many ways. You know, you're also chief visionary, plus you have to preach every week, you know, with, which takes hours of preparation. And uh, it was jarring. I remember even talking to my wife, we had been married, you know, we when my pastor resigned, we were not married, we were engaged. And then we got married in May. And then the church asked us to lead the church in September. And she, the first words out of her mouth, when we actually got asked were, is this marital suicide? Like for us to like not wow. really have been able to build a foundation of marriage and to step in the weight of not just leading a church, but a significant church. Um, and a successful church, you know, what's that going to do to us? And it sounds like an overreaction, but it was wisdom because right. this job can ruin people and ministry can ruin people. And so um, it was jarring for us, but by surrounding ourselves with good people, and I could talk more about that someday, but um, kind of how we made it through that process and even the burnout that I did run into, being one of those people who didn't believe in burnout or that it could happen. It was just a cliche ministry thing. Um, how we really persevered and now have come to a place where we feel like we can actually sit back a little bit and let the team lead and let the church run without us. Yeah, I think that's amazing, Josh, because what, what I'm hearing you say is like, right now you feel like all, you're able to cast a vision in the role that you're currently in and it's like all hands on deck yeah. versus prior to you stepping into that September role, the year that you guys got married, it's like all eyes on deck. And they're all on you and they're on her from how she worships to how she engages with people to how you guys, you know, are a married couple. Like those are challenging waters to begin with, let alone a whole congregation of differing opinions and expectations being placed on you consciously and subconsciously. I mean, to navigate that, that's a portion of that burden that you guys walked into and uh, what a beautiful thing that you guys did say yes, because we have seen nothing but beautiful things come of that. Yeah. And or we've heard a lot and we've seen a lot and we just like, um, love the heartbeat that you guys have. And will you take us back in your memory bank? I would just love to hear uh, back in the memory bank of EV, which stands for Emerging yeah. Voices uh, Conference. 
And um, what was that like? We have a many young adults who are just like, we want to start a uh, not only young adult ministry, but we want more conferences available. We want to be able to connect with other people that are passionate about similar things. Like, do you have any fun memories or stories or maybe how that um, Emerging Voices was birthed in, in you or in the vision that you had for um, young adults during that time? Yeah, I think it was a similar vision to what you guys are doing right now. You know, saying, hey, there's a need for this. There's a there's a drop-off after, everybody's used to youth group in the church world, but there's a drop-off in not only, you know, what does ministry look like for people who are 18 to 30-ish or who are out of college and not married yet, they haven't settled into that, but also the drop-off in those people actually attending our churches. You know, it's no secret that that's the demographic that the church is losing. Um, and so it came out of the same place of saying, man, number one, I want to provide something dynamic for young adults that's different. Uh, I want to see us put a financial investment behind young adults, um, showing that they're important. Um, every time that we get to September and young adults are back for college, there's a few colleges in our town, um, I make sure that I talk about it and I welcome them in the room because I want to validate that that next generation is present, you know, um, where other people maybe see them as, oh, I can't count on them to tithe or I can't count on them to show up or they're only here part of the year. Man, no, they bring a dynamic into your group that is missing when they're not there. Um, and so I think it was out of that same vision of wanting to do that. And so we started the conference and maybe the second vision behind that was, in our area, people were not exposed to voices outside of Bismarck very much, you know? Sure. Um, and so we would mention even well-known Christian writers or speakers and people didn't know who they were. And it was like, okay, this body of Christ is a global yes. uh, movement that you need to know about, that God is working around the world and he's working in California and he's working in other places. And so we wanted to expose people to that. And so Emerging Voices was really the method that we chose in that season. Yeah. I just think of like the little bubble that we feel safety in where I felt safety in North Dakota in Bismarck and to be exposed to a whole new world. <laughs> you guys, yeah. you guys are able to do that. So it's super fun to hear. Um, but I'm going to jump back into like, what is it? The current or maybe more present. Um, but pastor Josh, how did you feel like God prepared you to become a lead pastor before the age of 30 without the desire or aspiration originally? Right, because yeah. like if, if I understand it right, you didn't ask for it. You didn't necessarily put your name in the hat or apply for the job. And it was more like God clearly appointed you and anointed you. And it was the church that had asked you to do that. Yeah, you know, it scares me. There's a lot of people, young people that God wants to call like David out of the field into influence. And I think so many young adults today, if they were in David's shoes, and God had appointed them, they would have killed Saul. Oof. And that scares me, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't think it's our job to make things happen on our own. You know, I mean, honestly, my journey, I, I think a lot about this question and I really just come back to Jesus on the cross says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And you're like, wow, he knew he was going to die. Like, was that a hard thing for Jesus to pray? Like, and I just think, no, it's what he lived his whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, God, you want me to go to Samaria rather than going around like every other Jew would? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I commit my life. And for me, that was it. I had, I had people coming up to board members in front of me saying, Josh needs to be the next lead pastor. And I'm like, 
stop it because if this doesn't go well, I have to leave, you know, so I'm not like messy for the next person who's coming. And, but I, we just kept an attitude that said, father into your hands, mm. you know, we commit our spirit, whatever you want to do. And we went to a conference and Christine Kane said, God is calling highly unlikely people to highly unlikely places, do highly unlikely things. And something happened in our spirit. We're like, okay, Lord, we'll do that. And so, I mean, not to, to get preachy, but man, to the young adults and the young adult leaders that are listening, like be straightforward about what you want and where you want to go and what God has called you to do, but don't be entitled to it. Because David was entitled to the throne, but he never uh, forcefully took hold of it. Even to when his own son betrayed him, he surrendered it again. Said the throne is the Lord's. If he wants me on it, he'll give it to me. And I think we just need that kind of godly submission and humility. I just see too many people my age who are like CEO rejects and they say, well, then I'll just go, I'll go lead a church and pretend CEO there. No, that's not your calling. Right. You know, your calling is to serve people, to stand before God for people um, and to stand before people for God in some ways mm-hmm. and, um, and to have humility in doing that. I think what you just touched on is two different types of hearts. One is the human heart and the other, the humble heart. Mm -hmm. And the leaders are always called to have the humble heart, which is so countercultural. It's, it's so, you know, counter, counter human. It's the opposite of what we naturally are. Even the disciples are trying to position themselves to get the right hand or the left seat, like to get the, the place of, priority or preference or notoriety and Jesus is always just about humble available you know willing hearts Mm -hmm. and talking about heartbeat I just think of um, something that's been on my heart that has come out through this podcast it's been over a decade that I've just had this heartbeat and burden in my heart for college students for 18 to 30 year olds and I know that you share that passion Mm -hmm. and um, you talked about the drop-off and that being something that pains your heart. It certainly pains mine. And I think the listeners are tuning in because they have that same heartbeat. It beats for the things that break God's heart. And can you just talk about the drop-off for a second that you referenced earlier and now in a new role where you're pastoring a whole congregation of really um, <laughs> babies newborns all the way on to the end of life, like the whole spectrum. How have you like not let the drop off, drop off from your heart? Or how have you let that heartbeat continue for the next generation, continue for young adults? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We're not doing it perfectly. I mean, we're actively exploring how to reach young adults in a world that's changing all the time and with methods that are changing all the time. But I think one thing we've come back to is um, like cool is out. It's attractional church is going out very quickly. The church is probably facing persecution in a more real way in the next two to five years. And so cool isn't going to cut it. And so we've repurposed ourselves and refocused ourselves on let's not be cool. Let's, uh, be relevant and let's do church well, but let's equip people with proper theology. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's give young adults an answer for why you can think different than culture. And then here's how you defend it. And here's God's better way, mm-hmm. you know, that he has, you don't have to adapt the word to the culture because the word can triumph over the culture. 
Right. And so just trying to take that kind of approach that's very like build community for young adults and let's teach them deep theology. So like an example is we've gone all in on alpha at our church, which is one mechanism for just answering hard questions and training people on faith. We've done a lot more um, just open Q and A's like what's on your mind? What are you wrestling with? What questions do you want answers to? And I, I think the time of really pastors and churches being able to play the middle ground and not take a stance on some things is ending. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you got to take a political stance, but you're going to have to give a reason for what you believe and for the hope and be able to back it up rather than, well, that's what my church believes. And that's what mom and dad say. Um, and so i I think there's a lot of churches that are losing young adults because they just don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, they're more comfortable doing what they've always done and keeping who they've always had rather than winning the people that aren't present. And that's why you see churches closing their doors all over our country all the time. Um, so my hope is that young adults aren't disenfranchised by, by that and leave the church. If that's your issue, then have a pioneering, entrepreneuring spirit again and go plant a church. Go plant a college ministry like you guys. You know, go, go plant something that's going to be more pure to the gospel. Yeah. And so just to follow that up, you don't mean that the young adults themselves don't care. When you said that, you're saying like, a lot of times it's maybe the church leaders who are stuck in their model, their way of doing things. And it's, it's them that maybe don't care. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, or just, or just the, yeah, not the young adults, but the, and they care. Right. But it's, there's a difference between, Oh, I care about working out and getting healthy, but I don't care enough to actually do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of dead systems and religions that are alive, that, that are not alive, but they're present in the church today. And I yeah. think young adults are walking away saying, I want something more real, more relevant that answers what I'm feeling. Yeah. And the church can be that if we decide to be. Right. Right. Pastor Josh, what would you say to this? Maybe it's somebody coming out of seminary or theology, like a minor or major in youth or young adult ministry, and they're fresh out of Bible college, or maybe they're at an internship and they've been in a church and under somebody else's leadership. What would you say to them coming fresh out of the chute, looking for that first job or that first opportunity in ministry? What advice would you have for them specifically today? Yeah, I think be clear about what you want. You know, even if you're not exactly sure, um, I'm the kind of guy that wants, I want the next three steps, you know, and I've been learning, no, take one step. And if that doesn't work, readjust, then take another step, then readjust. And, but that's, I'm a five on the Enneagram. I like to think through all the options. I want to know what's coming. Um, but be clear about what you want. Uh, but then also go earn it. You know, don't just, don't just beg for it. Don't just expect it to come your way. Like go work hard after it, go earn it, go start something new. Um, and then, I mean, maybe the other thing that I openly tell our students here, um, make yourself irreplaceable. You know, when we get to a place where your internship ends, make, make a decision early on that the thought that goes through Pastor Josh's mind on that day is going to be, how are we going to do this without that person? And just, and I think that comes by a right attitude and really even in the church world, if you have a right attitude and you produce results, there's going to be a place for you. Mm -hmm. If you have a sour heart, bitter spirit, wrong attitude, or if you're just kind of complacent, you don't work hard, you don't produce anything, then you're not, you're not going to see, you know, really where you want to go. So especially the person that's trying to launch out, work hard, go earn it, be clear about what you want um, and take the right next step. 
I love that. I remember um, actually interning at Evangel and I remember there was multiple students by this time and I remember one student would come in he's like I'm called to to children's ministry and it's like a week later I'm called to youth and then we like a week later and he'd be like I'm called to the seniors of this church and I remember one pastor called him out pulled him aside and said here's the deal. You cannot be called to all of them. Get in the throne room and start praying of where God's taking you. And I will never forget that moment because I knew clearly that I was called the young adults. But I mean, I think there are a lot of people who maybe wanted to land, quote unquote, that first job in ministry, and they'll take anything they can get, which I'm not saying is right or wrong. If God speaks it, please do it. But that may not be the end all be of, you know, where God wants you. But it's like, if you, if your calling is changing every single day and a new calling is the new flavor of the week, I have to ask, what is God calling your heart to do? Yeah. Are you praying about it? And, and has, and has he anointed and appointing you specifically to that generation or to that people group or to, to maybe lead a church someday? So you're going to have to have a passion for all. So I thought it was just really interesting. I'm like, Oh gosh, I Lord, I pray that I I heard the right thing. Young adults, young adults, young adults. So it just makes me well, have that memory of sitting in that classroom, like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's another danger in that too, and maybe it's not directly related to the topic, but people blame God for a lot of stuff that He didn't say. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think especially as leaders, we need to be careful so, um, about what we say. God told me. God said. God called me, and be more honest about like. Hey, I think this is what I want to do. And I feel like God's blessing is in it if I do it, you know, or maybe I could do this other way and God's blessing would still be in it. And maybe not as much like throwing God under the bus by all the different things that he calls you to do. Right. <laughs> Cause I think people look at that. Even people outside the church look at that and say, man, either your God just likes to do everything that you want, you know, or you just use that as leverage. And so, man, especially to a young leader, be careful about when you bust out the God told me card. Yeah. Um, and be more honest about just who you are and where you're at and what you think you want. And right. if it's a godly thing, then I don't think you have to declare that. Yeah. And I would just share one other thing. Sorry, just I know you have something. But I remember I was in a season of really praying. I just want to add on to what Pastor Josh just said. And I was going to God with my my desired list of what I wanted him to do. And God like stopped me in the midst of my prayer. And he's like, Micah, these are things that you are telling me you want. These are things that I have not called you to. These are expectations you're placing on me. And I have not agreed to your expectations. You need to humbly submit your heart and and understand that. I need to work in and through you. And clearly we have some stuff to work through. So yeah. <laughs> those are humbling moments, but very needed when you're in ministry and you're never going to arrive. I always tell it to leaders, you're never going to arrive, but we do serve a perfect God that can work in and through us. So Josiah, go ahead. No, I think that you both um, alluded to just uh, having like an honest, an honest declaration of if God said it, that is the ultimate mm -hmm. trump card. God told me. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful about what God did tell us and, and the, uh, the healthy, safe way to approach it, especially outside of maybe a close friend circle, is to say, this is what I'm passionate about. I'm really excited about this, or this is what I want to do, God willing. And so mm -hmm. I think that that, yeah, there's two sides to that. So Josh, another thing that you had referenced earlier was just like the weight and the mantle of pastoring the church. And I don't know what that's like. 
Um, I do know what it's like to lead a ministry. I do have friends who are lead pastors, and um, but I have no idea. And so what would you say to maybe your peers who are the lead pastor of a church? And like, there's, they want to do something about young adults, like young adults are on their radar and it's not yet reflected in their programming or in their congregation of who they're reaching, but they want to do something. What, what would you tell them? Like, why is it important or where, where could they start? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we don't do anything because we think we have to do everything in order to do something. <laughs> right. True. And I mean, just some of the stuff that I already mentioned, like I make sure that when I see young adults in there, when college has started again, that I'm talking to them, that I'm acknowledging them in the room, that I'm letting the church know that they're a priority, um, that we see them, that they matter. Um, I know what it's like as a pastor to feel like there's certain groups that you got to cater to and you got to take care of. Um, But what really feeds the life of the church is youthfulness. You know, whether you're 80 and you're youthful or whether you're in actual youth. Um, But even if you are 80, people love to see their grandkids bought into their church. And um, so I think start somewhere, you know, do something and capture the heart of the next generation. You know, we're at the point now where we build facilities around it. You know, we built ministries, but we also build facilities around, you know, those groups. But start with acknowledging them or with having a little budget set aside to do something for young adults. I know churches that feed college students a meal once a month, you know, or high schoolers can come over every day of the week at their church and have a meal or just do something to start to acknowledge that this is a priority in your church. I'll just add on to that. I I think of this moment often because I really think this was like a nexus. Um, It spoke so highly to our church is Jerry Stranquist. Um, was the lead pastor at the time at Cedar Valley. And he had just sat down with me. I talked about going to famous days with him. And he's like, I think we're going to give you a shot. And he's like, Josiah, my backyard's open. And he had an amazing backyard. There was like trampolines, volleyball, a fire pit, a deck. And he just said, I'll feed every young adult that you bring. And there was like 150 young adults who showed up at his house. And it spoke so highly to people who didn't go to church and then who grew up in the church or who had been a part of it, that like our pastor wants us here. Like he did open his, his personal finances. He opened his house. Like, and, and I think it just validated um, something in his heart too, to see the response of like, wow, the young adults showed up when we invited them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, if I can be transparent, I, I was thinking the other day about, man, I got to challenge our staff to know all of the members of our church, all their names, you know, and they need to know these people. And then I sat down and I thought, Josh, you little stink. Like, you don't, how many of the students, the youth students, how many of their names do you know? You know, and I mean, even for a pastor, like for you to be in the hallway and to catch a young adult or a student and know their first name is a big deal. Yeah. And, um, even if they... We can get so caught up in only feeding what feeds us, right. you know, um, but man, love those kids, invest in them. And uh, it matters for their life and for the future of the church. It absolutely matters. And Josh, we know that youth love to ask questions. We know that young adults love to ask questions and we love to ask questions. Sure so do. we have come to the segment of the episode where we are going to hit five in five, meaning five questions in five minutes, rapid fire. 
Are you feeling young, youthful, <laughs> vibrant, youngish? How you doing? I'm ready. I'm ready. He's bobbing his head. He's like, yes, we are ready. <laughs> All right. So, Pastor Josh, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Uh, unqualified. Um, well, yeah, I think three words that I strive or I aspire to be would, I always use the acronym FAT, faithful, available, teachable. Like, and I hope that I can keep that for the rest of my life. That's great. It, it fits you too, because actually it doesn't, because you're like, <laughs> you're fit, not fat, man. You're yeah. like, so spiritually fat, yes, physically fit. How about that? If I could figure out an I word for available, then it could be fit. Stay fit. That would actually be better. I'll work on that and get back to you. Okay. So, speaking of words, like, are there words that you live by? Maybe they're verses, maybe they're anthems or a quote or a phrase. Like, are there things that you carry with you on your heart that are kind of etched into your heart? Like, I live by this. Hmm. I think there's people that I'm inspired by. Um, but I think there's also, yeah, there's some verses that are just deep in the seat of my being, you know, you know, those ones that have drawn you through the difficult time. Mm -hmm. I already referenced one in Jeremiah, you know, before you're formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I appointed you. And to me, just the, how profound it is that the God who knows all creation knew me and he appointed me. And, and I know that verse is written to Jeremiah technically, but I think the theme of the scripture is that God calls every one of us by name. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so I live by that, you know, God knows my name. He's called me. He's appointed me. He sees me mm -hmm. in every season. Um, but then also things that I've mentioned, I want to stay humble. You know, I want to be authentic in the way that I live. Our family wants to be authentic. And, um, Probably one that I live by is, hey, let's not let's not uh, measure once and or let's not cut three times and measure once. Let's let's measure a few times and then cut. So maybe that's a leadership one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, question. So that's personality. Three. That's just me. That's good. That's good. Uh, question number three. If you could ask us one question, what would that be today? This is the curve. Yeah. I love to ask other leaders and people that are having these conversations the same question, and that question is what are you seeing and hearing and perceiving in the world today? You know, through conversations you're having, people you're talking to, what you're seeing in the church, I just love to know what you're seeing and hearing and perceiving. Oh man. I think for me specifically what we, what I'm all those different things um, just at the campus that we're at is that we live in a broken, fallen, lost world. That is evident. Mm -hmm. But there is such a deep hunger that these young adults have that have been raising themselves, raising their siblings, and they need to know that somebody believes in them. They need to know that the savior of the universe can forgive, redeem, and restore their family tree, their personal decisions, and their future. And they need to be asked hard questions. There is nothing more exciting than to sit across the table from these young women and ask them deep, meaningful questions. And their eyes light up and they're, you can just tell because they're, they're, they're sitting there and their heads are kind of down, they're kind of slouched. And it's like, you look them in the eyes, they're looking back at you. Like, you ask them a question, they perk up because they're like, somebody cares. Nobody's ever asked me that before. And they're leaning in. And I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But I mean, I'm walking with God. And hopefully I'm functioning the Holy Spirit with those times arrive. And you can just see how hungry they are to be fed 
by truth, by love, and by a community that truly believes in them. So aside from all the chaos and havoc that's going on, um, the condition of the human heart is in need of a savior, um, whether you're a believer or non-believer. And that was just becoming more relevant to me and more exposed to me um, in everyday life. And the power of prayer um, is something that I want every young adult to, to know and to recognize that there is peace in his promises and there is power in prayer. And your story um, can be a story of redemption. And I think that's, we live in a broken world. So it's like, let's bring the joy and let's bring the truth and let's love people where they're at, but let's call them out in love and out in truth in the same sentence. And that's what I've just been perceiving. Maybe that's a little bubble for me. Um, but I think over any young adult that I've come across in the last six years, that's, it's a, it's the same anthem of like, somebody cares. My story doesn't need to be this way. And like you said, God sees me. And I think that's what they need to hear. So that's a long answer. That was probably four minutes. You did, you did great. You go ahead. Great question. <laughs> I like this question, Pastor Josh, and I think that part of it, I, I wrote down four quick points of how I'm seeing the world and leadership and ministry right now. And I think that part of what frames it, Mike, I mentioned, like we live in Minneapolis. And so in the past week, I talked to a friend in Texas, in Atlanta, in Nashville, Tennessee, in California, and in um, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And each of them, they, they were like, yeah, Minneapolis is on the news, on the headlines constantly. Mm -hmm. And so I, what I would say to that is I'd say the first thing that I'm seeing um, is that the rally cry of this generation is to have racial reconciliation. Like, I think that broader than the church, like that's what America is really um, dealing with. And then I think the second thing is through the pandemic that ministry leaders have found that online is more important than ever. And it used to be that online was like a promotional tool only. And now ministry leaders are realizing like, wow, this is an important pastoral tool. Mm -hmm. So more than just promotion. So I think that that's it. But what we're seeing too is that young people are more isolated than ever before. Yeah. You yeah. can only play so much Xbox. You can right. only watch so much Netflix and people are sick of it. And so nothing will replace face-to-face We've been able to do a few things as a ministry where it is face-to-face. -face. And students are telling us, yeah, that's one of my best friends right there. I haven't seen her since March. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's huge. And the last thought, Josh, is like the next generation is very hungry for spiritual things. They're very hungry for the supernatural. And their rally cry, um, I would say, is what about us? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love this conversation is because they're saying like, I'm visiting churches and I'm, I'm really struggling to connect. Mm -hmm. I'm making effort and it's very hard to get plugged in or connected. And so I would just say they're, they're asking like, what about us? Mm -hmm. Wow, So good. Okay. So back You're to up. you question. I would comment because there's a lot there, but I know we're on a, we're on a clock. So. <laughs> Interrupt. Um, the fourth question of five is, would you be willing to maybe share about a mistake that you made in ministry and maybe what God taught you through the process? Because I think that failure, quote unquote, can be such a hidden friend. It can be such a, a great teacher for those of us who want to be lifelong learners. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the misconceptions, you know, especially of a young leader is when you get an opportunity, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do a lot, you know, and I'm going to make things happen. And I think to Micah's point earlier in the first even year, you know, you, there's a honeymoon and there's people watching you to see who you are. There's people watching you to know if they're even going to stick around mm -hmm. um, and be a part of your ministry. And so there's this great misconception that we should come in with guns blazing when the reality is we should come in and just get to know people and value people and build relationships mm -hmm. and make deposits into people's lives so that when we do launch vision, people are on board with us. And so I think I missed that. You know, when I first started, I came in with a laundry list of things I wanted to accomplish, um, which led to conflict. And I think I also learned that conflict isn't bad. The whole world is right. held together by tension, like tension between atoms, tension, like even in our political system, tension between parties is good because it means we're not in a dictatorship. Like the world is actually held together by tension and tension is not bad. But in the midst of that tension, uh, I had to learn how to define myself and say, um, I know there's conflict right now, but I'm not going to shrink back because there's conflict. Here's where I stand. Here's where I draw the line. Don't ever say that to me again about my family or don't ever, you know, like allowing people to really know you through what you stand for and the moments that you draw the line rather than needing so badly to be liked by people that we never really define who we are and where we are. So good. That's so good. That's a great reminder for anybody listening today. All right, Pastor Josh, last and final question. If you could tell a group of college pastors or young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Yeah, and maybe here's the flavor of today, what I would say. <laughs> um, I think learn and work hard. And by learn, I mean... Don't settle for the answers that the most famous pastor is giving. Don't settle for the answer, answer that culture is giving. Like especially the movement of churches that I'm a part of, the network of churches, we need people to think again. Like yeah. we need young adults to think and not just parrot the answers of society, but to come up with spirit-inspired, theology-based, overcoming wow God type answers that only came not only because the spirit inspired or you had a prophetic moment, but because you're learned and you did your research and people know that you've actually thought about what you're saying and then hold that intention with, I don't know everything, but God has equipped me with everything that I need for this moment. And then go forward, be bold, be strong for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. Amazing note to end on. Pastor Josh, thanks so much for the conversation today. Yeah, I love you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. 100%. And it, listeners, you can find out more about Pastor Josh Sheldahl, Evangel Assembly of God Church, and the ministries that he's a part of when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as on social media. And we'll post the show notes in the podcast at youngadults.today. Until next time. This is Josiah and Micah signing off. Signing off. Happy New Year. It's already January. 2021. Here we go. No pandemics. <laughs> <laughs>
right now, yeah.